All right, welcome back to the Movement Performance Podcast brought to you by The Movement. My name is Don, and with me, as most times, is Jess. <laughs> How are you doing, Jess? All right, still recovering from COVID, struggling yeah. a little. But. Yeah, we both kind of put a little bit of a <laughs> backpedal on our COVID recovery by doing that adventure race on the weekend, huh? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it was worth it, I yeah. think. I think. Oh, 100%. It was so much fun, man. Like, I, I you, you never regret doing that sort of stuff um in the long term yeah that's fair <laughs> right i wanted to pass to alchemy so i can't complain totally yeah and i scored some of that um that restore protein from uh stay above nutrition that stuff's pretty pretty good it's like orange flavored which i thought was a little bit weird for like a protein recovery yeah. powder but it's actually like this like really palatable um you know, like cream school sort of flavor. It's it's actually really easy after after a workout. You know, in your stomachs. I yeah, I hate cream school though. So. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. You'd, you'd need something different. I don't know. I found find after like a workout that, you know, like a chocolate protein shake or a vanilla protein like those traditional flavors don't really like chocolate mocha or cupcake <laughs> or any. They're just like they're not. They make my stomach just feel like. Yeah. I just thinking about them. Whereas this cream school is actually really like creamy (laughs) (laughs) all right so today we're going to chat a little bit about um mobility training right um and kind of hoping to clarify some things and give a little bit of some basic principles around how to approach mobility and some some little quick and easy tips to um actually make progress because i don't know about you but the number of times that I have clients or, you know, whether they're training clients or um, rehab clients who have, you know, tried stretching and um, it's not been successful and you assess them and you're like, oh, well, maybe there's something else going on. Maybe there's like a bony block or a nerve involvement. And you're like, oh, no, it's just like soft tissue limitation. Tell me more about like what stretching looks like for you and like what, what are some of the common issues that you see when when people have said that given you that story because i know you've been there oh yeah for sure um i think the common things i see is like either improper dosing a lot of the times so it's like randomly stretching here and there never really consistent do it for a bit of time then forget about it i've definitely done that um and yeah, then how's I, that hamstring flexibility coming along <laughs> still terrible <laughs> i might in defense though i don't actually work on it when i should but um and then i see that the other issues we'll see is like maybe there's something else going on uh whether it be like you know like something nerve or it's actually more of a mobility issue and they can't actively get through this new range that they have totally yes there's there's a bunch to kind of dive into there that i think we'll we'll sort of sneak through throughout the session but why don't we first kind of dive into that idea of like flexibility versus mobility because you used both of those in the last sentence and um People that I come across often feel that those terms are interchangeable, or at least they use them interchangeably. So um, why don't you describe like flexibility? What do you mean when you're talking about flexibility? So that's like the passive ability to get into a certain range. So an example of this would be, I think we've all seen this test or we've all done this stretch where someone else like lifts your leg up to see what your hamstrings are like. Mm. You know, you lay on your back and the person brings... Your leg, like, yeah. how, how far can someone else take your body? Yeah. Right? yeah. Or even pulling your knee to your chest. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Pulling your knee to your chest with your arms 
right? So you're passively taking mm-hmm. yourself through that range of motion, right? How far does your body allow you to move, yeah. right? Um, and then, so how does that differ from mobility then? Mobility is like your ability to actively get into that range. So, you know, maybe you're on the climbing wall and you're trying to do like a high step. Mm. We've all been there where you're like, oh shit, I can't lift my leg that high. And then you use your arms to get it there. So the mobility was how far you got it on your own before using your arms. Your hand to kind of give it that extra little (laughs) lift. Yeah, I do that all the time. (laughs) It's so so (laughs) funny. We just had that presentation with the climbing team the other day and we were chatting about this and had a couple good good examples and then yesterday i was at the at the gym and i was um there was this kind of balancey start um that you had to get this this high hand heel match right off the start Ooh. and but i was wearing denim and so my mobility was a little bit restricted <laughs> um but uh, yeah i think that's great so it's like mobility being that that ability to use your muscles to take yourself through range of motion yeah. and what we often see is that there's a um, is that people don't have a flexibility issue, right? Their tissues are extensible. You can stretch that tissue to the range of motion that is within normal or required for whatever that person wants to be doing, but they can't actively get themselves there. And that's more of like a muscular strength issue. And I think the, that brings up an important point of, you know, how we train, you know, flexibility versus more of a a mobility type issue right i feel like this is where we see like that big disconnect between people being like oh i stretch all the time like why isn't it working Mm -hmm. is usually they they then have that flexibility from the stretching but they can't actively get into it yeah and and we train those things very differently right so we train a flexibility issue um with more consistency more time under tension um you know, maybe incorporating some loaded stretching as well. Um, whereas from a mobility perspective, we're going to train it more actively. We're going to be doing end range liftoffs and end range isometrics and things like that. Right. Um, <clears throat> but the fact of the matter is, is that there are a lot of factors that can influence um, flexibility. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly at baseline, people have different types of collagen genetically we are just built differently right Um, some people are a little bit stiffer by design and other people are a little bit more kind of gumby by design yeah right i can so i like the earliest memory i have of sitting in an assembly in elementary school i struggled to sit (laughs) (laughs) cross-legged it's like that was probably like like mostly a genetic or like collagen type because I was super young and like I was always active. It wasn't mm-hmm. like I was sitting around as a kid. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, just built for power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that brings in the development piece though. Mm, totally. Yeah. And so like there's, there's definitely through our development, we are kind of encouraging our body to develop in a particular way. And so a couple of prime examples are, you know, W sitting is that sort of like pattern that we see in a lot of kids where their ankles are way out wide and their butt is kind of sitting not on their heels, but like between their heels. And this kind of, yeah, makes makes a lot of adults who don't have good internal rotation cringe. Um, but uh, what this does is it biases the hip towards internal rotation. And usually what we see in kids is that they just 
you know, who, who sit that way, they just don't have the core stability and strength to be in a more upright position. And if they, if they aren't challenged outside of that, they can actually develop a, um, you know, their, their hips develop a little bit differently with a bit, mm-hmm. bit less external rotation, a bit more internal rotation. And that's unlikely to be something that you can really change drastically down the road. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, another example is baseball players, right? Um, you know, we, they implemented pitch counts in like youth baseball because, um, what they were finding they're they were taking x-rays of kids' arms and they were actually able to visualize the torsion of the actual That's like crazy. structures in the, yeah, in the, in the arms that these kids have like you know, 180 degrees of external rotation yeah. um, without stretching the joint capsule. That's just like how their bones are developed that um, because pitching requires such an aggressive um, external yeah, rotation. So crazy. Moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like development, co- genetics and collagen type aside, um, you know, there are different types of structures and tissues that can influence um, whether you are able to get into a particular position, right? Yep. So I guess we can talk through some of those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, one big one is the nervous system. So if you've ever like felt that nerve tension, you know, I think it's common. Yeah. Why don't you describe that? Because I, I mean, people. How, how do <laughs> how do people often describe that to you? Because a lot of people don't know that that that's a nerve tension yeah. until we sort of like bring that to their attention. So I. Uh, the biggest one I've seen like described would be like when we do that hamstring stretch, like the one on your back, mm. they feel like, you know, it's coming like all the way down the leg into the feet. It's kind of like pretty sharp. Mm-hmm. You know, they might get like a weird sensation, like a tingly sensation mm-hmm. almost. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. So I think like oftentimes people like when you really ask them about it, it's maybe not where the, where they're feeling the tension is maybe not where the muscle is. Yeah. Right. Um, that's one indicator that, oh, maybe this is some neural tension. But people often associate that they're like, oh, it's fascial. Right. But yeah. <laughs> more often than not, it's nerve. Um, if, if it's like outside of the body of the muscle and you're feeling it kind of um, elsewhere, it, it's potentially nerve. But also the nature of it, you kind of described it as sharp. And I, I totally agree. It's this like it's a different kind of tension. It's It doesn't come on gra- as gradually. It's like. Yeah comes on quickly it's pretty intense and 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 yeah like intense and sharp um and then of course if it's associated with any sort of like nerve symptoms like tingling numbness or any sort of like funky sensation in you know the toes of the fingers then that's usually a pretty good sign too yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. usually like once you know it you won't you won't mistake it again for a muscle (laughs) yeah (laughs) especially once you start treating it appropriately you start you start like you know, treating that nerve issue with flossing and you make improvement and you're like really quickly and you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> dang. <laughs> I was wondering why it was getting worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. I think the next one would be, I guess, like joint. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like some more like a capsular restriction for sure. And so I think this is one that like commonly can get confused with, with muscular because they can feel pretty similar but i'd say that um generally uh when i think about a capsular restriction um joint capsules tend to be pretty like pretty strong stiff tissues and so um 
you know, I think even more so than when we're dealing with like muscular tenderness tightness, it, you know, time under tension and mm-hmm. adding a loaded component becomes super important to really kind of get into to mobilizing and, and opening up a joint capsule. Yeah. Um, but as far as differentiating how it feels, I, I, I generally find that people find it pretty localized. Like it's not a, um, not as diffuse as muscular tension, right? Um, and I, I think the biggest change for me when I'm, you know, trying to mobilize or, or challenge a, uh, a joint capsule is um, A, adding the load, and then B, paying attention to the order of loading, right? Mm-hmm. So like, and what I mean by that is like in the shoulder, it would be like, you know, are we raising up overhead and then adding a rotation or are we adding a rotation and then raising overhead, right? So like what order are we adding the various elements of movement at that joint to wind up that, that yeah. capsule? Yeah, I find it's, there's a lot more that goes into it than just like stretching the muscle, mm-hmm. I find for joints. Yeah, totally. Totally, because like muscular stuff is is kind of like when it's just straight up muscular stuff, it's like find that tension and yeah. <laughs> and, and spend a lot of time in that position and then then actively use it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, can be pretty straightforward, but I think that's that's kind of covers the majority of what we need to think about when it comes to like factors that influence flexibility. Um, we kind of reference the other piece with genetic development and stuff, mm-hmm. and and that's the bony component, right? There comes a point in all range of motion, basically, where we're just approximating bones, yeah. right? Um, and we're just getting um, bony approximation. And, you know, the elbow is probably the best example, like extension of the elbow. Um, it's the easiest to feel like what bony approximation feels like. When you're straightening your elbow and you get all the way to end range elbow extension, it's just that sort of hard, fast block um, that, you know, probably not something we're going to be able to to build on is it yeah no definitely not (laughs) (laughs) um so why don't we why don't we chat a little bit about like kind of the three-pronged approach that we sort of take to um to mobility and chat a little bit about um the mobility trident yeah the 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 zeus of (laughs) of mobility yeah um for sure all right, so generally when we're working on someone's mobility, we'll kind of go through three stages or like within their workout, go through three types of loading. So we often start with the passive and we're just thinking about like time under tension for this one. So this is normally like the classic kind of stretches that you would think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more like a like a seated hamstring hinge stretch yeah. or something like that. Yeah, where you're just kind of accumulating time under tension. And a common issue that I find with people trying to do passive stretching is that they are like, they're noodling around too much. Yeah. They kind of like find tension and they're like bopping on it or sort of like twisting and spinning. And like, I'm all about noodling around. Like when you're exploring (laughs) mobility, I'm all about sort of noodling around and like trying to find a position where you feel the best tension for your body because every body's different Mm -hmm. and order of loading matters and like how you're winding tissues up with rotation or hinging or whatever is important and that's where the noodling comes into play but once you find that position just like accumulate some time there there's no need to like bop and bounce yeah right 
Yeah, I don't know where the bouncing comes from. I find that so common. Yeah, totally. I mean, it kind of feels better than just holding it, though, if I'm being, like, I guess, in a way. Yeah, but I just find that people don't accumulate enough time under tension to make, you know, lasting, meaningful change, right? Yeah, it's not as effective. I just mean, like, if you're holding that, like, shitty spot. Yeah, totally. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's kind of nicer if you bounce, but it's not as effective. Yeah, I wonder sometimes if it's, like, um, people are bouncing because they're, like, going into, like, Another common error that I see with like passive stretching is the more is more approach mm-hmm. where they just like people just crank so hard into um, a position. And if you're not used to that, you can build towards it. Right. But your nervous system can get a little bit like if you're not used to stretching and stretching intensely, you know, if you dive right into that. Right. Your, your nervous system can get a little bit on fire. And yeah. It's like, whoa, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. You know, it's like pump the brakes. Yeah. Right. And maybe that's where that that intensity is. So like they're pushing too hard. Right. And they <clears throat> that bounce gives them that sort of like in and out of intensity. Yeah, that's fair. <clears throat> but moral of the story is don't bounce. Just accumulate time under tension. Yeah. If you decide that there is like a passive flexibility issue in a muscle or a joint, you got to accumulate time under tension. Yeah. Stop bouncing. <laughs> All right. Next one would be active. So we talked about this being like super important if you're trying to improve your mobility. Um, so this is, you're kind of doing some short holds using the antagonist muscle. So if you want to think of like you're trying to improve your high step, I guess would be a good example. Mm-hmm. Um if you do an end range lift off, so if you were to put your foot on like a pretty high surface near as high as you could go, and then you're working on lifting up off of that, holding for a bit of time and then coming out of it. Yeah. That's a great example of like an end, end range, end range lift off, mm-hmm. um, for sure. Um, and I think like something to be, you know, clear on with this is that, um, the active component of mobility, um, not only does it sort of build that capacity at end range or that, you know, mobility as we've labeled it, but it can also sort of work to hardwire the improvements in flexibility that you make. Because the fact of the matter is, is that, um, you know, the transient improvements in flexibility that you make in a single session, um, they come and go really quickly if you're not sort of, you know, helping to hardwire them by mm-hmm. accessing and utilizing that range of motion and, and active mobility work is one example of how we sort of hardwire and utilize or access that range of motion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super important. That's that part of it, I would say. Totally. And I guess like the third piece is, is loaded mobility, right? Mm-hmm. Where um, we're you know, taking that tissue under load through to end range tension, accumulating some short holds there and and moving out of it. And so this would look a lot more like a traditional strength exercise, but with a bias towards um, tensioning a particular tissue that you're trying to improve mobility in or flexibility in, right? Um, And I say both of those words, not interchangeably, but um, <laughs> but separate, right? Um, in that, you know, the idea of sort of like hardwiring that, ex- the accessibility, like proving to your nervous system by using load that, yep, this is an accessible range of motion. 
right? And then also just working, um, you know, that antagonist through that range of motion. Yeah. Do you have a good example for one of those? Yeah, I mean, the easy one that I always think of just going from like a hamstring perspective is um, <clears throat> is like a hip hinge, right? So doing like an RDL where you're um, not a traditional deadlift where there's a lot of knee flexion ending up happening, but like an RDL, like a stiff-legged RDL where you're you're hinging mostly from the waist on a, on a fixed knee angle and uh, accumulating a bit of time at, under tension at the end, maybe a two to three second pause. Um, under a moderately heavy load and then pulling back up yeah. for the upper <clears throat> like let's say for like the uh, maybe for the shoulder right so maybe say like a pec stiffness or a lat stiffness would be like a end range lift off of like a uh, um, maybe like a, a y lift or something like that from a from a, an incline bench right so something like hinged forward lifting off holding that end range right yeah. or or a um, a chest fly would be another example. And you get a little workout in, so totally you know, start, double yeah, bang for your buck. <laughs> yeah, the loaded stuff starts to feel more like a strength workout, right? But the key is that um, you're you're sort of being very intentional with where your pauses are. And, you know, I think a better example for the shoulder would have been like, um, you know, like a, um, a pause at the bottom end of a pec fly, for example, mm-hmm. for opening up the chest. Um, well, why don't we, why don't we talk a little bit about like a couple of scenarios that, um, you know, that we can like put some, some guidelines around just from like a, um, dosage or frequency sort of perspective. Yeah. So why don't we talk like, um, like a simple example, there's no, no nerve, no bony things going on. We just have a bit of like a shortened muscle. It's like a truly shortened soft tissue. Yeah. Um, you know, as opposed to like where there might be some like um, kind of guarding or, or or spasm happening from an injury or like some fear avoidance or something. Yeah. So just probably like this simple. Totally. What yeah. What you see quite often. Um, yeah, we see it super frequently. But, but then like someone who's missing like whatever, like 20% of end range or something yeah. like that. For sure. So there's like a gross restriction of movement. But it's straight up musculo, like muscular myofascial. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. cool. Um, so, I mean, for me, do you want me to talk about it? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Go for it. Yeah. For me, like my my key with people is like is consistency, right? So um, going back to where we first started, it's like one of the most common things that I hear is like um, people will be like, oh, yeah, I've tried stretching. And I talk to them and they're like, well, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, it's a good stretch for like tissue X. Um, how often are you doing that? Oh, I, you know, whenever it feels tight. Well, well, how, well, how often is that? It's like, oh, you know, like usually after my, after my, you know, for the shoulder, upper body workouts. So, yeah. Okay, cool. So there, there's our problem, right? Is the consistency. And so if we have a truly shortened movement that is restricting our or the tissue that's restricting range of motion or of a movement, we want to be hitting it daily. We want to be, and from a time under tension perspective, I usually recommend people start around three to five minutes time under tension daily in minimum doses of 30 to 60 seconds, okay? Most people shouldn't have a hard time finding time to do this. If, you, if you're, I'm not saying you have to take, do it in a five minute block or if it's both sides, a 10 minute block, you can sprinkle it in as long as you have, you're hitting that minimum dose, mm-hmm. right? And that's usually a great starting place. If you're doing that daily, you are going to notice 
you know, make notable change in a fairly prompt period of time. If, it, if there truly are no other, you know, um, joint neural or bony restrictions within like two, three weeks of consistency like that, you're going to notice some change, right? Um, some meaningful change. And, <clears throat> you know, to kind of the point of what we were chatting about before of like, how would you then integrate um, kind of active or loaded mobility to sort of hardwire those changes? Yeah. So that's when like the bonus work comes in. So <laughs> usually around three times per week, we'll have them go through like a little routine where we add in some of those active and loaded movements. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And so for example, for like a, an active drill, um, you know, what sort of dosing would you tend to give like those end range liftoffs? Those end range liftoffs. I normally get them doing like five second holds mm -hmm. five ish reps okay so like cumulative time roughly 30 seconds yeah yeah so like five or six times five second holds and like two to three sets sort of thing yeah yeah exactly totally, yeah and that that's generally kind of where my dosage tends to fall and depending on what we're trying to target i might hit it a couple of different ways with with end range isometrics like that um and then what about a loaded perspective um that will like Usually I'll start with the active stuff and add the loaded after. Right. Um, and sometimes that depends on strength of the totally. person or how yeah. comfortable they are. But usually I'll get them going through like eight or 10 reps, like pretty comfortably. Like I want it to be like challenging, but I don't want them like failing on any of their reps. Totally. I want them to be able, because the idea there with the loaded drills is to have a little bit of time under tension at that, yep. that high tension position. So I'm with you on that, like usually about eight to 10 reps, um, three to five second holds in that, in that kind of, um, challenging position, usually on the lower side of time, because I, you know, my bias is towards going heavier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes for these little mobility drills, heavier is like two and a half, five pounds. Yeah. It depends yeah. on, it depends on where you're loading it, but like an RDL, for example. Oh, like that's different. Yeah. Sorry. I was thinking that. more like end range, like the Y's, like end range Y lift. Oh yeah. Like yeah, shoulder totally, stuff. Totally. Totally. Yeah. 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 Um, cool. Why don't we, so, so just to summarize that like three to five minutes time under tension daily and one minute, you know, 30 second to 60 second doses, um, supplemented three times a week with some form of active end range mobility and perhaps some loaded work um, and dosing of that sort of like two to three sets, six reps, five second holds sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. Um, now, what if we were looking, Jess, more at like a kind of a, a guarding slash like neuromuscular protective like tightness? And actually, maybe that's maybe a good discussion beforehand is like mm -hmm. the idea of a short muscle versus a tight muscle yeah so yeah. Um, um that can be like pretty hard i think for people to understand and i think like one of the important things is like first finding like why it's happening and then like for identifying it i guess is like i'll have them like really really relaxed and try and get them myself moving them through more range rather than them do it or i'll try like having them move say it's like a shoulder issue i'll have them move like body on shoulder Mm -hmm. and see is there a difference then and that can start to help identify like okay is it tight or is it just like there's a fear or like the body's protecting against going through a certain range totally yeah and so just just to be clear like a short muscle is a muscle that is actually like 
you know, physiologically shortened, mm-hmm. um, and we need to improve the length on that. A tight muscle is one that is maybe in spasm or guarded because the brain thinks there needs to be some form of protection around that joint. And yeah. so um, what you're saying is that using like um, that kind of reverse origin insertion of like moving your body on your arm as opposed to your arm on your body is a good way to kind of trick the nervous system yeah. sometimes. Exactly. Another good one that I find is um, is using kind of what we call like muscle energy where you use an isometric, like a short isometric near end range to sort of turn on, turn off, turn on, turn off. And then, you know, sometimes there's just some like, you know, magically (laughs) the range of motion is freed up. And it's like, um, personally, I love those situations because they're like, I've got frozen shoulder or something. Right. (laughs) And then, then you do a little bit of like muscle energy and you like do some body on arm work and they're, you're like so it's, it's isn't it weird that you're able to get into this range it's and nice. like that is that is weird and then they like they're able to actually move their arm on their own yeah. all of a sudden it's yeah. just like you seem like some voodoo witch doctor yeah that's <laughs> like, yeah, nice when that um, happens that's smoothly but um but so it, it's not always that easy right mm-hmm. so um i think with this like neuromuscular tightness or guarding um identifying the underlying issue as you said is really important um and then how do you generally approach that um so i again i tried by something they can do successfully or without a ton of discomfort i find with this type of thing if you were to like you know like try and find those really tight positions and like hold there if they were to bounce there that can make it worse mm-hmm. so i try and find like an kind of creates more fear right yeah more, yeah more, exactly. more uh more guarding more resistance it's sort of like further fortifying that sort of like the brain's like neuroimmune response of yeah like yeah threat. exactly so i'm trying to find some like little kind of mobility drills or more like active things that they can do where they can go through some range without any kind of negative response totally i find sometimes like um if this is in like a joint that has a lot of different um directions of movement um <clears throat> i'm not always targeting the most restricted movement yeah i'm targeting the movement that is most receptive to <laughs> um, to movement. Yeah. Right. Um, That's what I find really important for the shoulder. Yeah. Totally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people are just so grossly restricted in external rotation or something, and you, you know, they've been like, oh, I've been re- really trying to work on this thing, and we're like, you know what? Let's just like leave that behind for a little bit, mm-hmm. and let's just explore these other other mo- yeah. patterns of movement, right? And it's like. You know, are you opening up a corner of the capsule that then allows you to get into the other side? Or is it just like, you know, again, the brain sort of calming down? It's hard to say, but ultimately... We'll never know, really. (laughs) (laughs) Who cares? Yeah, Um, All right. Well, I think that's that's cool. I hope that was a lot of... uh, a lot of good learning for for people a little bit more understanding and you know as always we we love it when you send uh send questions in qual you know qualifying questions clarifying questions um or if you want to fire us a uh, an email about a topic that you want us to talk more about um we'd love to hear from you you can email us at jess at the movement physio.ca or don at the movement physio.ca um so yeah, yeah looking forward to hearing from you and stay on the move <laughs>